Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Lord Provost Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 And I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait there's broken dreams and what might have been at that stadium by the shore But those glory days of gold might return once more Hello, hello, how do we do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. I'm Aaron Anderson. And we'll start this episode the same way as we normally do when we're minus our hybrid Scottish-Canadian friend and bring the fantastic news that there'll be no MLS chat on this show, um, which I'm sure will be much to the delight of our hundreds of listeners. Just before we forget, um, and we'll just kick off the show with this episode's sponsor... Mays Mortgages are Fife-based mortgage and protection specialists. Our aim is to provide our clients with high-quality, personal and friendly service. Our advisors have over 25 years of industry experience and have an outstanding record for sourcing our clients the products that suit their needs. Where we're different though, unlike many other brokers, from start to finish, we won't charge you a penny. Contact us via Facebook to find out more. Thanks as always to Ms Mortgages for their continued support and also to listeners who donated to keep the podcast going um, over the summer when we needed some funds. It's been greatly appreciated. And gentlemen, we are starting a show on the back of a two-game winning streak. I'll start with you, Doug. Are we going to win the league? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I've only been to one game, which was yesterday, and I thought we were very good. So I just don't understand what everyone's been moaning about. 100% strike rate, mate. 100% strike rate. What can we say? They sensed me. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's probably it, to be honest. That's what I thought. Gordon, were you there yesterday? Yep, I was there. Um, very enjoyable. Nice to, a bit weird, you know, just to turn up and score quite early and win quite comfortably. So, but enjoyable. Aaron, did you remember how to celebrate a goal? Yeah. <laughs> Nah, I was I, I quite enjoyed yesterday. Um, as Gordon said, it was nice to score early, not too much of a panic, and then I think it sealed it with twenty minutes to go, so it was quite comfy. So there was no real squeaky bum time. So, I we're not winning the league though. Are you sure? Um, pretty positive, pretty positive. But you never know. Aaron, you text me your predicted lineup um, just <laughs> before off yesterday, and. We almost lined up exactly to your specifications, minus one player um, who will will not say out loud. But I mean, in terms of formation, pretty much bang on what you were hoping for as well. 
Yeah, I think we spoke about a few weeks ago, did we not? Just, um, I think the main one was simply Shep up top on his own. I think we tried playing the fast up top on his own against Albion Rovers, if I remember correctly, and it just didn't work. When I mean, Shep and Shiv came on the second half against Albion Rovers, I think the game turned a wee bit. So I think as well, I think a few weeks ago, a few of us said Brogan Walls in the 10, going and beyond them, um, going beyond Shep even, and he did it. And Second, not so much first half, but I think second half, we created quite a few chances. Brogan Walls involved in quite a few of it. Shiv works hard on the right, eh, but he's not really got an end product. But he gave us a bit of industry that I felt was lacking in a few weeks um, gone by. So no, I, I was quite happy. The player we were talking about, by the way, just chucked out there was, I didn't think Trouton would start. Well, no, I didn't want Trouton to start, which I'll take back because he scored. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, it was quite a pleasant surprise. They were 10 out of 11, correct, I think. Yeah, it was a pretty decent effort. So, Doug, you said it was your, your first one back eh, as you made your way to that pitch that wasn't on Wellesley Road and heard, I think, three versions of the, the Glory Days of Gold intro, which I'm sure must be a very surreal feeling for you as you're in the stadium. <laughs> pretty much every time I turn to my mate and go, that's me, that's me, <laughs> And then when it came on the second time, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then the third time, I'm like, what? The, like, this is actually mad. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Quite cool, though. Yeah. And I mean, are you going to comply with the the outcry for an additional verse? I mean, people, I mean, I think Neil McKay submitted a pretty good second verse, if I do say so myself. I mean, and I think that if you do use it, you need to ensure that you give them some songwriting credits. Um, the songwriting has nothing to do with me, so I'm, you know, it's all on you and Masson. Who probably doesn't even listen to this anyway, so. Uh, I've not even seen Neil's thing, so I'll check that out for sure. Please do. But it's so, nothing to do with me. So what you're trying to say is, is you're essentially some sort of X-Factor wank that has all their songs written for them and you just turn up and perform them. That is exactly correct. And generally get the words wrong. So it's good. <laughs> But look, like we'll start off with last week versus Albion Rovers. Doug, I know you weren't there. Gordon, did you make it along? No, wasn't there. Well, Aaron, we'll come to you then. Um, we'll do a quick summary of that. And then obviously we've got a incredible cup tie on the, the back of that, which I'm sure we'll come to shortly as well. But try and sum up, if you can, the, the Albion Rovers game. Um, first half, Rotten. Which is being polite. Got for me, Greg got it totally wrong with his lineup against Albion Rovers. Um passed up top on his own, just didn't work. Um they had chances from set pieces in the first half. We created very little, if anything, if I remember off the top of my head. Second half, though, I don't know how true it is, but did he give them the old proverbial rocket at half time? because they came out like a different team. Just in terms of energy, intensity, we, we pushed the line nice and high, we went and pressed the ball for the front, Shep coming on up front, Shiv out on the right, which is why I said that about the lineup for yesterday. made a massive difference for me, not because they're anything that was quality, just sheer work rate and endeavour, um, and just a raise of the tempo that fast just couldn't give us up there. Um and we create chances, and I think we probably deserve to turn it round in the end, um, you know, but definitely a game of two halves. Yeah, I mean, for me, 
I, I think we were the better team overall. I'll kind of agree with your summary in the first half because we were really poor. And I, I still potentially question whether we think that we're too good at times and we're not actually producing the results. And I don't think we could go into games with, with that attitude until we start putting in the performances to match. But second half, I thought we were really good. And like you say, I do think that that Greg gave them a, a rollicking at half time because we did come out a different team. We were fighting for balls that we weren't fighting for. Um, but I mean, we, we got a good couple of goals. Um, the the young talisman Conor McManus um, finally getting on the the score sheet, given the fact that he's so young and inexperienced. Darren, you must have been happy to see him score. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to let that one down. Eh? Um, <laughs> it was a good finish though. Um, you know, was it on the volley. I can't remember correctly. I think it was on the volley, wasn't it? Keepers punched it. But yeah. nah, second half it was. I take your point about the performance didn't match our expectations, but I just felt the first half last week there was no endeavour. Like I, I thought the work rate was poor. I thought they were lazy. Um, then they were kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. They'd go after them, they'd sit in, and we didn't either. And they got picked apart. But as the second half, like I said, we didn't play great football the second half. We just had a bit of intensity to our play, and we showed a bit more willing and desire. And that got us over the line. And I think that's why the first half was so disappointing. Um, and I think we got a wee bounce moving into the Clyde game off the back of that result, which is what we needed. Yeah, look, I think I, I said in the, the previous episode um, that I felt like the Albion Overs game was, was a big game, as is the Clyde one. And I think we all sort of said that the Clyde one was huge because we knew that there was a chance to, to sort of set ourselves apart from our rivals. But... Gordon, I mean, I know that we, it was, you know, the, the cup that maybe people aren't too fussed about in terms of the, the Challenge Cup, but you must have been glad to, to see us go through and then more importantly, get a, a pretty exciting draw. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I'll be honest about the Challenge Cup. The the B team stuff put me right off it, but I'm, I'm well interested again if we get a, a wee European trip and I'll definitely go to that. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think the Albion Rovers game we talked about, I think it was important because because of the run we were on. So I think it was important to get a win. It was important to just get into the winning habit again and maybe, you know, try something out, learn something, just get that wee monkey off our back. Um, and obviously, you know, taking that into the Clyde game, we've gone on and won that and played quite well. So I think it was important from that point of view. I mean, if, if we'd won and been drawn away to... Like, you know, I don't know, Dunferman or something like that. Wouldn't really be that bothered. But we've also got a pretty tasty tie out of it, so not going to complain. And I suppose, Doug, are you going to be caddying in the Sahara Desert or are you going to manage to make it to our sexy glamour tie against TNS? Well, fortunately, we've got a tour event in Oz Westry. Uh, no, I'll be there. <laughs> we've, got a week, we've got a week off. So, uh, yeah, look, the Challenge Cup's bullshit. I'm exactly the same as Gordon. I listened to the pod last week, and while a win was important, nobody cares. Like I don't think, apart from Ray Throwers, nobody could tell you who's won these things the last few years. But as soon as you get a wee, a little foray into Europe, or in this case, England, we'll uh, we'll, we'll take it for sure. I, I actually, like a saddle, I watched the draw, and uh, just because you know I was footless and fancy free, and um, you saw the teams and literally. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be, who cares? And then as it got going, I was like, oh, 
TNS away, TNS away. And uh, the young guy who's in the draw pulled out the ball as well. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward. I'm looking forward. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be good. A wee trip to wherever it is. English team, though. I've been reading up on them. They're an English team who play in the Welsh right. League. Yeah, they're right on the right on the border, but they're on the English side of it. Yeah. There you go. That's something that I didn't know. Disappointing. I thought I was going to Wales. Um, no, I mean, not. you could actually go in. It's only, it's like 10, 14 miles from Wrexham or something. So you could kind of dip in and come out again. Yeah, I think that's the plan on the, the Sunday before we come home is nip in and see the the world famous race course ground now that Ryan Reynolds etc. Are, are you are you one of them? I do like the documentary. I thought it was very good. Yes, I mean, you can you can go you can go to Wales and get it right up on the national team's pitch now. Yes, we can, um, and I'll take great pleasure in doing so. Believe me. Um, so, are you guys all going to go? Aren't you going to make the trip down to England, Shire? I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to. Wife's pregnant with a second child, though, so. I'll try and get myself out down to England slash Wales. I might get my balls kicked, but I'll ask the question. Eh? <laughs> Shy kids <laughs> get sweets. Shy yeah. kids get sweets. Um, you'll, put... you'll only get you'll only get your balls kicked if you ask nicely. Yeah, uh, or I'll get battered if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't mess with Jody. I definitely wouldn't. Um, but look, I've booked for the Friday, um, so I'm going to go down Friday night. Um, and then Saturday night as well so if any of the listeners are going to be heading down let's get on the beers we'll have a glory days of gold on tour and yeah should be should be a good laugh if nothing else but we'll move on to yesterday's game and Doug since it's your your first appearance haven't actually been to a game I mean you must have been pretty happy I, I think that don't get me wrong the result was great but I think the manner of the performance really made a difference yeah I was kind of Dreading it a bit, having obviously seen the results and listened to you guys on a weekly basis, just to keep the numbers up, you know. Um, but, I mean, look, I'll start off and we'll, we'll all start off and say Clyde are very poor. Very poor. Uh, they, you know, they're in big trouble, which is funny. Um, but no, I, I, just, I just thought the manner we played was good. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, obviously hearing a lot of punting and chat from around me even yesterday which um, we just didn't really do a couple of times early doors I mean not being harsh on Murdoch I thought that was quite a key moment maybe when he went off and it just allowed Healy a little more freedom he seemed to be in his own defensive third quite a lot when Murdoch was on but no look I just think to a man I thought everyone played really well and the football was good and it should have been I don't know Fleming made a couple of saves it's a bit surprised he got man of the match but I thought in general it was good. I mean, it could have been, if it was three or four, it wouldn't have been a harsh reflection. I mean, let's let's talk about Alan Fleming, Gordon, because I think that, you know, I, I maybe slightly disagree with, with Doug's assessment because I think, you know, he made, an, and, you know, I think for everybody that's listened to the ha- uh, highlights will know I love the word fantastic, so I'll say it again. Um, you know, a few absolutely fantastic saves to, to keep us in the game and a pivotal one just before um, setting up Scott Shepard. So not only did they make the, the saves, but got an assist as well. Yeah, um, definitely. There was that little period where, you know, as much as we did play well, I thought in the first half, we did give Clyde a few chances. I don't think they really 
necessarily made their chances. I think we were a wee bit wobbly at times and Fleming did have to make a, a couple of good saves. Um, and I think that moment of the match where they had the, the free header, Fleming makes a save, and then about a minute later, we're ahead. Uh, that's a big... You know, if that went the other way, it could have been a very, very different day. So I, I thought Fleming had a really good game. I didn't actually notice until I saw, saw the highlights back that he basically set that goal up. Um, and me and my dad were basically criticising his kicking all day because he was basically hooking it off the park most of the time. But fair play, that was um, you know nice, nice to see. Yeah. Um, but I thought he, I thought he had a really good game, and it, it could have been different. And I think it would have been self-inflicted because I agree that Clyde were pretty crap. Um, but second half, I thought you know we cut that out and really just saw the game out. I also thought the fantastic save that you're talking about was it was bad defending, but also if it had gone in, I'd have put a lot of blame on Fleming for not coming to get it because yeah. it was only about four yards yeah. out and it was high. So although it was a good save, I because we were kind of screaming for him to come and get it because it was in the air for so long. But no, look, it was a good save. But um, yeah, I think he definitely should have come and got that. Aaron, let's talk about the goal itself because you know on on commentary yesterday. I was actually waiting for him to cross it. I was I, I looked across to see who was making a run at the back post because Shepard is not a he's not a, a selfish player. You know, he, he will tend to look for the pass if there's somebody with a better opportunity, but you, you can't take it away from it as, as an incredible finish. Oh, some finish. Um because he was going away from goal and it was an acute angle as it was. Um, and he's literally stuck it right in the side netting, like right next to the post. You know, it's as close to the post without it hitting the post and going in. It was right in the corner. Um, and I think as well, you know, I think you're right. I think there's times when he would choose to pass or look to set someone else up, but obviously he's not going to do that every time. But I hope that gives him the confidence to take more shots on because yeah. there's not many players in our club even in week two, to be honest, who will be able to finish that. Like I said, it would be a consistent finish you would expect from him, but hopefully he takes confidence from that when he gets into the box. He'll pull the trigger a bit more because we don't have enough players that do that. But yeah, some finish. Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's not only the finish, it's the gamble he makes as well to go for it. Yeah. Because I think it, a lot of people expect the defender to head that forward and a lot of lazier players probably wouldn't have got that chance because they, they just thought, oh, the defender's going to clear it. But he actually makes the run anyway and that's what gives them the opportunity. And I think that when Shepard's not in the team, we desperately miss that because the amount of chances that he creates just from his work effort is amazing. And we're a poorer side without Shepard, didn't it, Doug? Yeah, I thought... Um... I actually think if he hadn't scored that goal, it would have been a very typical Scott Shepherd performance yesterday. Like, gave the defenders a hellish time at points. Um, the hair was off the charts, uh, like a crazy madman. And But the finish was sensational. It was... But again, it's a confidence thing. It's the same with any striker. You know, he sticks at 10 yards over the bar and, you know, the head will drop a little bit. And, but he absolutely buried it. And as Aaron said, it was... I mean, it was, you couldn't have put it any more sweetly into the the side netting. But no, look, I thought he was excellent yesterday. I just think, as I say, absolutely terrorised the centre-halves at the time. He must be he must be an absolute pain in the ass to defend against. Gordon, do you think... I mean, obviously, we, we've been fans of Shepard on the show for a while, but do you think he's actually underappreciated for how good he is? 
because you've got to think like Crawford obviously rated him to bring him in. He played him every week. Greg's then obviously taken over. He's been looking to play him quite regularly. And I know that Shepard had opportunities to move on from us at the end of the season, which ultimately he didn't take, of course. But do you think that he's actually underrated by fans? I think he probably is. Like I don't know. I don't know exactly what how his five fans think of him generally, but I know certainly when we signed him, um, you know he gets he's a player that kind of gets a bit criticised for other fans. I mean, for for fans, and you know, there's always a wee bit of that. A player player goes from your club to someone else, and uh, suddenly he's pish. But you know, he was getting a lot of criticism online, and it just doesn't really seem to line up with the. You know the player we've seen, and I appreciate there's always a bit of this. If you're a if you're centre forward and you don't score 15, 20 goals a season, people always criticise it. And we know he's not, you know, we know he's not at that level of kind of prolific scoring. But I think he brings a lot to the team. And if you're playing with one up front, it's really important you have a player that can play that role. And I think we've seen that. We've seen that when Fash tries to play it, when Shepard tries to play it, and they're different players and they have different strengths. And I think. You know, we thought it would work better with Shepard, and on the on the evidence of yesterday, it has. And I think he brings a lot of qualities to the team that, um, you know, let you play that system. And not every player can do that. Uh, I'm a big fan of Scott Shepard's, definitely. Uh, he he played well yesterday. Um, the finish was fantastic. Uh, I think he is a little bit underrated. And I mean, I know that you're a, a big Shepherd fan as well, but I want to talk a bit about Nathan Austin because I think a lot of fans will be kind of scratching their head a little bit. Um, obviously, we've paid a, a fee to to bring Nathan in. We all know his capabilities. We all know what a good player he is. Um, he'll be disappointed, you know, and not starting. You know, I think there's a flag that sits um, in front of, of me. You know, Nathan Austin is one of our own. The, the fans adore him. You know, I, I think that he's... A, a fantastic player, but just it, it hasn't clicked for him yet. And, and can you can you put your finger on on what that may be? It is hard to say. I, I think from the outside looking in, I don't know Nathan too good well, you know, like. But for me, he just doesn't look fit. He, he just does not look fit. He doesn't look sharp. I, I think we could all be in agreement that he's maybe not got that from the speed, that acceleration that he had before. He used to be very quick off the mark. He's not got that now. You know, when, when balls would go into the channel, for example, in the past, he would make something or nothing just with his sheer speed, whereas now he's losing the race to defenders. Um, you know, so I, I think there's a large element of fitness, which is understandable as well because he has had these injuries over the last couple of seasons and he's not had a lot of game time as a result of that. And that takes time to build back up. However, it's a results business. And when he has played, and I'm just looking objectively here, when he has played, he's not yet delivered. And that could be because of the fitness like we've spoken about. And I, I certainly felt last week against Albion, I thought there was a turning point when Shepard came on. And I think that's carried on to this week. And don't get me wrong, if Greg is going to at some point play with two up front, I don't see why him and Shepard up front together couldn't work. But I think as long as Greg's playing with one up top, he's just not fit enough for that role. Um, and that maybe does him a wee disservice because maybe he's better than a two. In fact, he is better than a two up there. 
because I could see that working. Don't know how it affects the rest behind the two up top, but you could see Shepard with his industry and work rate closing things down, setting up chances, and fast being there to finish it. Um, but as well as that, if if we're just again being objective and critical, if we're being hypercritical, he has had chances. Like he has missed chances in games. Like nobody can deny that. You know, there was one away at Elgin. There was one at home at Steny. Um, big moments in the game, and and he's missed them. He's fluffed his lines. So if you're not delivering, you've got to be ruthless and take them out. Obviously, Greg's made that choice yesterday, Doug. But I think it, it must be difficult. And I think I said this in the last show. I, I actually feel for Fash a bit because. He must feel an enormous amount of pressure, you know, coming to his hometown club, a club that, you know, he's claimed that he support that, you know, we're one of the teams that he supports. The fans' expectation is massive. Do you think that that plays a part in it? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I think, I think there's probably a few reasons. I guess the fact the last time he was in this league, he absolutely scooshed it and scored a lot of goals for Kelly and maybe thought coming back was a good choice for him and the fact that he'll come back and scoosh it again and he's he's definitely not fitness-wise where he needs to be but I think Greg kind of alluded to that in the interview after the, the game about how the physio has been working really hard with and he, he said especially with like Nathan and people like that so you know I Confidence is a big thing again. Like Aaron said, he's had a couple of chances and and fluffed his lines a wee bit. And yeah, he'll have pressure definitely because I mean he's he is the kind of local boy hero, I guess, sort of returning. Um, I think he'll come good. I think it will take a little bit of time. Um, he maybe teased us with that hat trick against Elgin, but by all by all accounts, it was a hat trick that the great Lee Gillis could have scored. Um, I just, yeah, look, I think every time, I do think he, he would work better in a two. Like when he was really good with us before, it was sort of him and Wilkie linking a lot and player, you know, playing off him. You can't lump balls to Fash. It's it's not going to happen. I mean, there was one yesterday where he, he, he got it and sort of stretched the legs of the defender and got past him. And, you know, if there was someone up with him, decent cross. There is still a bit of pace. I don't know if he was ever quick, like over 10 yards. It was more a, a longer. Once you've got the gangly legs going, you could pick up a bit of speed. But yeah, I think it'll come good, but I think it'll take a bit of time. And and probably the role he was in at the moment might be where he is for the next few games until he gets fit. Yeah, I think I suppose it's just a case of urging fans for patience with him. And I think that that's maybe what Greg is alluding to and the fact that, you know, that, that Jeb, the, the physio, is working with him to try and get the best out of them. Gordon, I mean, you and I have been to quite a lot of games so far this season. What would you say yesterday, given the the performance, was the, the, the difference? Like, Because we, we've not managed to get that first goal. We've been poor in a lot of games, um, in, in my opinion anyway. You know, second half at Elgin, we were good. Dumbarton, I thought we were probably the better side. But yesterday, you know, aside of the, the saves that Fleming made, and I don't want to take that away from him, they're, they're game-changing moments. I thought we were the better side by a, probably a considerable margin. I thought we were. I mean, if, if you're looking at saying, well, we won we won yesterday, you know, what's, what's that difference between the games we haven't won? I think it was a few different things. And I think, I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't say that part of that is 
the opposition. I thought Clyde were the poorest team that we've come up against. Um, but I thought we, we were we were fairly dominant. You know, it was 2-0. It certainly could have been more. Um, I guess we'll talk about it a bit. We certainly should have a penalty in the first half. Um, I thought, you know, as we said, Shepherd, the Shepherd in the middle. Um, and it's not just, you know, it's not just a case of having Shepherd there for chances and not fast because he's more likely to take them. I think the team just works better when there. I think his his kind of work rate and his strength in that centre forward position makes us a little bit better. Um, there's little things as well. Like I actually thought Jack Healy had a really good performance yesterday. It wasn't it wasn't the kind of barnstorming, you know, twisting and turning, beating three guys, coming on his right foot, scoring goals. But I thought I thought he had quite a mature performance yesterday. He was, you know, he was passing a lot more. He was passing a lot better. You know, he was taking defenders out of the game and then giving space to other people and then doing something with that space. Um, and I, you know, I thought during the game and especially during the highlights, I, I thought he was had a really good game. So it just it just felt like the team kind of, you know, we've said before we've got the players there. It, it just felt like things clicked together a little bit more. And I think, you know, when you're on a bad run, you know, home to a team who are also on a very bad run and are a worse team than us, it's a good, you know, it's potentially a, that good opportunity to just kind of click, click in a little bit more, get the confidence back. And I think that was it, just it yesterday. I don't think, you know, aside from the things I mentioned, I don't think there was this massive difference um i mean one thing was i kind of commented the second half if you looked at our lineup it was sort of more what we were last season you know you obviously you take you you think of the classic team last year well so we've not got ferguson walls is in there you know uh denim and steel aren't available so Doherty and easton are in there but in terms of the shape and where each player was playing it, it was kind of what we were more like what we were last year when we were on a decent run um, I thought that was kind of, you know, a wee bit interesting. Are we maybe just trying to go back to what was working last year, maybe a little bit? Um, but yeah, I thought I, I don't think it was anything major. Just a few wee things, really. Um, and that's a fantastic point, Gordon. And my next point that I had written down, well, actually, the, the what was that? No, I was just applauding that Gordon made a fantastic point. Yes, I we love the we, we never we never get that feedback from the host. I mean, I've never had it, mainly due to the lack of fantastic points. But it's just nice to hear it. Thank you. Uh, so don't worry, I'm, I'm a bit more complimentary and, and less innuendo than Michael, shall we say? Um, but no, it was a great point, and I think one of the the points I had written down actually, I'll go with the first one first. The irony of Clyde's badge being a ship because they are indeed a sinking ship. You're welcome. Um, but I think one of the other big differences yesterday was Conor McManus because for me alongside Fleming he was potentially man of the match yesterday because he just looked like last season's Conor McManus which we haven't seen from him at all what did you make of his performance yesterday Aaron? He was just total composure complete composure his positioning was really good as well so not so much in the first half but I think in the second half I was really watching him in Trouton and those two took up good positions in front of the back four. And if you were to count how many times we won the ball back, so we'd go on the attack, Clyde would say clear it. McManus or Trout would pick up the second ball, maybe halfway in their half, and he was really good at like recycling it. He would just get it and he would pass it to the full back. 
he'd pass it to Trout. It was often sideways, but he kept possession. And I think that was really good because we've been open to a few counters this season so far. So I think their positioning to win it back and then making the right selection was brilliant. And what he's what he'd done a couple of times, and he had a chance, he didn't pull the trigger. I don't know if the ball got away from him, but there was a couple of runs into the box as well. You know, so there was one where Healy, who agreed with Gordon, I thought Healy, that was his best performance so far this season. Not, not very difficult, to be fair, but it, it was his best performance so far. But there was one where Healy's rolled it in the walls, and Walls has played it around the corner for McManus making a run. And I think he's got that in his locker, and I don't think he does it enough, to be fair. He, he's got the ability to get into the box, and he's got goals in him, you know. Um, but I thought Conor McManus, that was his best performance of the season yesterday as well. Um, but I think second half we had complete control of that game the only way they were scoring was if they had a set piece or if there was a bit of a mistake at the back from us like we had for our goal when their defenders headed that missed his jump but we had complete control of that game and I thought Conor McManus and I have to admit as well even though I said he shouldn't have started but Trouton as well the two of them were major and making sure we controlled that yesterday Doug, one of the differences that I noticed yesterday, particularly in the second half, was we know what a good player Cuddy he is at, at Clyde, and he's he's sort of done it throughout the years, wherever he's been. Um, but I, I just seem feel like we made changes to kind of keep him a little bit quieter because all the chances in the first half were, were coming either through him or by him. And then we made changes, and that sort of nullified him a bit. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, I just think in general our midfield bossed it. So, I mean, certainly second half. Um, and like Aaron's saying, I think, I thought McManus was very good. Obviously, I've not seen anything of him um, so far, but obviously I've been hearing he's not been at his best. But I thought he very much looked like the guy of last season, for sure. Um, so, yeah, no, I think just the mid... I just think we got that a little bit of arrogance in our play yesterday. At times, I mean, there was there was a couple of times we definitely overplayed it, and it was. It, I mean, it was very good to watch, but there was a couple where like just hit it, you know. What I mean, <laughs> like trying to do, but as I say, some of the football was very good. So, um, yeah, look whether we nullified Clyde at all, I'm not sure, but we certainly, yeah, we certainly bossed it in the midfield, and that's pretty much what won us the game. Gordon, obviously, you brought up the the point about the penalty now. In the, the commentary, which I'm sure you've heard, I was like, penalty, 100% penalty. Um, when I watched it back, I kind of 50-50, because I kind of feel like it's more of a coming together. Um, and I don't think that Healy should have been booked, because it definitely wasn't a dive, but I'm not 100% convinced it was a penalty, but you seem to think it is. I I only watched I kind of watched the the highlights back once. I didn't do the you know sometimes for penalties, you know watch back a couple of times or slow it down or whatever. I was I think that the highlights made me more convinced it was a penalty because you see the the movement of the defender's arms and he I mean he clearly sort of puts his arms up and onto Healy's back and I think you know if it was the other way around. I'd be raging if a defender did that because you're just like you're just inviting the ref, you know. Whether whether that's enough to put the player down, it's sort of you put yourself in that position where if he goes down, you kind of complain. 
Now I think about Jack. You know, you can make certainly if you're an opposition fan, you know, and they do they make wee complaints about him. Um, but for a memory, I don't think I don't think he's a player that's dived very much. And I think that was my first my first uh maybe maybe others will disagree. But I, I thought it was a penalty at the time, but I thought I was sort of ready for thinking, oh maybe I'll watch it back in the highlights and he's he's gone down uh, to be fair, I think he's potentially gone down quite easily. But I think that Clyde player put his hands up and on his back. And I think if you do that, you're you know, you're just you're just leaving it open for a penalty. So I think I probably would have said it was a penalty, even if Jack has kind of looked for it a little bit. But I don't think it was a dive. I, I don't think it was a yellow card. I think if anything, he's at most, you know, made the most of a bit of contact. That's penalty for me. Aaron? I, was, I, I think it's a stonewaller. I think it's even more of a stonewaller when you watch the highlights back. I think it's so obvious. It's ridiculous. Stevie Wonder sees it. He's, he's running... And the guy's put his hand on his lower back. Another thing to remember is, see when you're running at speed, you know, it doesn't take much for you to go over, you know. So I hate when people say soft penalties. It's a lot of pish. Like, if there's contact, there's contact, you know. And if you're moving at speed, and he was because he was flying, you can see the boy's, I think it's his right hand, goes into his lower back and he gives him a dunk. And... I, and I think what was interesting as well, you watch the highlights, because I looked for this, watch the Clyde players' reactions. Like, there's nobody who's ran up to the face of the referee when he's went down and, like, waved their finger to say no. Or, you know, nobody's went to run up to Jack and try to pull him up and accuse him of diving. It was quite resigned, their reaction, when he went down. And I think if the penalty was awarded, I don't think there would have been, like, mass hysteria from the Clyde players that... A penalty was given. Um, so for me, there was contact, and when you're moving at speed, it doesn't take much to knock you over. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a penalty. Maybe because I've never moved at speed before, I've never experienced that. So there's there's every chance I don't know that. But um, yeah, like I say, at the time I thought you know stonewall penalty, but it's just like I say when I, I watched it back, I, I I maybe need to watch it again, and I'll I'll probably eat some some more humble pie. But Doug, I mean, did you think it was a penalty? It's definitely a penalty, but what watching it at the ground, I thought he dived because the way he fell down. I think if he goes down naturally, that was not. I totally agree with Aaron. When you're running at pace and you get a nudge, you'll fall over, but no like that. I hundred percent think it's a penalty, and I think the ref got it wrong. But I can see why he's given that as a booking, and he he did one in the second half as well, where nobody was anywhere near him, and he he fell over and their management team were literally bursting out laughing that the ref had given the foul. That's what you've got to be careful of as a player like Jack, who's going to get fouled a lot, 100% will get fouled a lot, that you don't start going down very easily. Because I, th- I think he has got that in his game a wee bit, of going down a bit easily. But no, as I say, it's 100% a penalty, but I didn't like the way he fell down, put it that way. But look, let's caveat that. And I, I do agree with both Aaron and Gordon. I thought Healy was fantastic yesterday. He really was. And I think right. that it, was, it wasn't so much the, you know, beating the players, which he definitely did. I think his decision-making was bang on yesterday. Um, and it was 
picking the right pass at the right time. And also, like I think um, it was Pat on commentary said this, and it's something we've said for a long time. People have figured Jack out. And what they'll do now is they'll double up on him because all they're going to say is, right, okay, well, I could if he's going to cut inside, which he's unlikely to do, I could get it. But if he's going to try and cut in to get it on his right foot, they've got another player to do it. But instead of um, just cannon in the ball off somebody yesterday or trying to hit a wonder strike, he was finding McManus in that space or he was playing it back to Trouton. And then, like Adam said, just making that run that's, that's going to have to commit a defender. And that's what we've been wanting to see for Jack for so long. And I think that's why, you know, fans have been getting frustrated at him because it's a bit like, right, okay, we know that you've got that in your locker, but you don't need to do it every time. And I mean, he had a, a beautiful chance in the, the second half yesterday. I think that it would have given us our third or second. I can't remember. You know, Sharoni can take the shot and he doesn't. He finds Jack. He's in acres of space. You at least expect him to hit the target and he drags it wide. I think... That one, you know, maybe just feel a little bit too excited, but you know, I could, I would easily have understood why Healy would have got man of the match yesterday, Doug. hundred uh, percent agree with everyone. I'm not slagging off, but I thought he was excellent yesterday. He, he, very noticeable. He was getting not marked out of the game, but certainly at least doubled up at times. But it's just nice to see a really disciplined performance from him. He tracked back really well early doors when we needed him to, which is what I said a lot last season that was lacking in his game. Just more, just a much more team player. Um, as you say, there's nothing wrong with dragging the defenders 20 yards down the park and then playing a simple ball, uh, you know, because it's got us up the pitch and just not trying to do too much. But still, I mean, second half, he dragged the defenders all over the place. I'd, yeah, I thought, I was, I, it's his best performance I've seen of him this season. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I thought he was really good. Really, really good. And it's, it's difficult for, I think, for Jack, for Brogan, guys that will well have attracted interest in the summer. We know Jack had offers from decent-sized clubs that he's, whether he's turned down or, or whatnot. So it's it's a big season for him. It's certainly, you know, pre-January, it's very big, and he's got to get going, I guess. But he can't get frustrated and try too much, which he didn't do yesterday, and I think that's why he was so good. Yeah, pretty much. Again, I'll, I'll give it to you this time, bang on assessment. Um, so Aaron, if you could up your game mix, you're the only person I've I've not said that to yet. But yeah. I think we'll, we'll talk finally about the the goal that that sealed it for us, and it came from a a scarf of a corner. Let's be honest. I, I don't think that Jack can hold his hands up and say he meant exactly for that to happen, Gordon. But we're lucky it did. Um, I'm not sure even Pagey gets a touch on it. Um, it kind of like it's almost like a dummy. The the Clyde defending, however. Is East Fife-esque. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about how we actually created some good chances and didn't score from it. And then probably the most ridiculous chance we created is where the goal came from. Yeah, I'm not I'm not 100% sure Jack <laughs> meant to take a corner like that because I think if Clyde were even paying attention, that's cleared easily. I didn't actually think Paige got a touch. I think it just sort of bounces very, very meekly through to Troughton at the back post to sort of canny miss from about half a yard. Um, terrible, terrible defender from Clyde. I think, you know, as much as, well, every team probably does it, as much as we complain every time we concede for a set piece, that was absolutely shocking. I mean, nobody goes for that ball. I mean, you're talking about anticipation, you know, from Shepard as a striker, but 
the anticipation as a defender to sort of, you know, what if that ball just comes through? Oh, I'll just stand there and just to let it go right to the back post, pass every single player in the six-yard box. Um, as a goal, which is ludicrous for Clyde, but, you know, fair play, we got it. Because I think our play probably merited at least that second goal. So, yeah, wasn't it nice, but take it. So, look, I don't think that there's any other talking points from, from yesterday's game that I've missed unless any of you guys want to highlight anything else before we do the three two ones. Are we all prepared for three two ones? Yes. Fine. So Doug Perry. Oh. I'm not gonna to come to you first. I'm gonna to go to Aaron. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> One point I'll give to Scott Shepard. I just thought he laid the line really well. Did, obviously, he scored a really good goal as well, but just his industry, massive difference. Two points I've got for Jack Healy. I think we've all discussed it already. Best game of the season so far. Big improvement in his decision-making. Um, and then the three points I've actually given to Conor McManus I thought Conor McManus would be best game of the season yesterday I thought he controlled midfield really well um, believe it or not I, I won't go into too much detail but there was a, a scout who I know who was very very impressed with Conor McManus yesterday and I think he'd been under the radar in their eyes um, and he was very impressed with Conor McManus yesterday so yeah three points Conor McManus Gordon. Uh, yeah, one point. Same, going to Scott Shepard. Uh, good performance, well taken goal. Um, two points I've given to Fleming. Um, yeah, made a couple of good saves. We'll give him the assist for Shep's goal. Um, and I think particularly at the particularly the time the saves came, um, you know, it was quite crucial. Um, so good again from him. Uh, three points I've given to Jack Healy. Um, like we said, just you know, a mature performance from. I think he's becoming, you know, yeah, on yesterday's performance that like he's adding more to his game. I think it's it's that thing with Jack, like you know, as a winger particularly, if you can only do one thing, you're kind of easy to defend against. If you can do two or three things, you're a bit of a nightmare. Um, and I think he's kind of on the basis of yesterday, he's adding that to his game, and hopefully that will continue. Hug. Um, yeah, I suppose it's between those four, probably, with quite a few notable mentions. Um, I've gone one for Fleming. Uh, as you say, a couple of important saves, early doors, um, and then the assist. Two... Oh, changed my minds a couple of times. Two, I'll go for Jack Healy. Same reasons, really, as Gordon's saying. And I, I, like, I love seeing that discipline side to his game, which has been lacking. And three, I'm going to go Scotty Shepard. Got the opening goal and was a nuisance. And um, yeah, it was all round fantastic. Minds has changed so many times. Um, but I'm going to start off with one point for Conor McManus, um, which might be slightly controversial. I thought he was really, really good yesterday. Um, however, I'm going to give two points to Fleming because I think without him, 
yesterday, you know, we could have been on the end of a spanking in the, the first half. Three points I'm, I'm going to give to Jack Healy. I think the difference in his performance yesterday, I hope, is a massive catalyst to change for consistency and just a little bit better decision-making. So it wasn't even that yesterday. Just a couple of his deliveries were really, really good. Um, you know, I think that it, it just his whole performance yesterday, you know, if he'd scored that goal, he'd have got a 10 out of 10 for me. I think it was the only thing that was missing from his performance yesterday. But, um, yeah, really, really good performance. And like we say, three points. And I suppose next week's a, a, a bit of a, a difficult one. We've, we've not obviously seen Spartans this season, but they're, they're putting in some good performances, getting some really um, strong results. So, Gordon, Gordon, I'll come to you first. What is your prediction for next week? I think um, I will predict a draw, a 1-1 draw. Um, and I think I would take a point. The way things are going right now, um, Spartans have had a very good start to the season. Obviously, I've never seen them play before in my life. But um, given that it's away, I think I think a draw would be a decent result. And I think if we play like we did yesterday... You know, we can we can get at least that. Adam, yeah, I definitely take a draw away at Spartans. Um, it would be good to just go there and win, though. You know, three wins on a bounce. And by the way, I don't. I think if we play the way we played in the second half yesterday, I think we beat most teams in this league. I really do. So, yeah, I would. I would definitely take a point. But you know. There is no reason why we don't play the way we did yesterday in the second half could go there and take three points. And I think it's important we do try and pick up one of these wins away from home, whether it's at Spartans or Bonnie Rig coming up, because there is, was it six points, five points between us and that sort of top four? It's very, very early, obviously, but it'd be nice to beat a team around that sort of cluster with us and go above them. So, yeah, let's go and try and get three points. Doug, what's your thoughts? Uh, first of all, I'd like to make it very clear it's the Spartans. Oh. Oh. You know, a little bit of respect to the Spartans, which is a fucking ridiculous name, but never mind. Um, yeah, de- I mean, definitely would take a point. Kind of agree with Aaron, though. It's, it's so early days. Football's such a stupid game that two weeks ago, it's like, oh, no, how are we going to get on against Gretna 2008 next year? And now you go, well, if we can beat Spartans, we've got four for at home if you win that. We're on 11 points, which would probably put us in the top four, roughly. Um, so it's it's a stupid game, football. But I... Yeah, look, I, yeah, take a point for sure. I think Greg alluded again in his interview about the fact that he's watched them quite a few times and they've been quite impressive, whether that's true or not. But they, they also thought that about... Did we not go to Bonnie Rig? The first time when they'd started quite well, and we maybe drew, but it was like they were dreadful. And you thought, we "How is this team?" We, we smashed them four-one in the first away was that game. The first yeah. time, yeah, right, okay, yeah, exactly. And and I do think that was after they'd had quite a good start, and everyone's like, "Oh, Bonnie are decent," you know, and they were terrible. So I think we've got a wee chance, and and who knows? Just about one very quick thing from yesterday's game. Actually, I meant to say. Obviously, having it my first time of seeing the team, I thought the boy Doherty right back was good, really good, just in terms of 
like I quite like it. He almost looks quite old fashioned. Like I, I I saw pretty much nothing of him going forward. Um, which is fine, but I just love it. Almost Gary Naismith esque in the way he goes to ground a lot. He was going to be my point after the Spartans game, so we could probably just move into that now because obviously we've just seen him extend his contract this season, and I think we've been so good at that in, in recent years. And and where we might have in the past sort of sleptwalked and, and let other clubs approach him, for me, he's by far the signing of the season. And I'm going to make a pretty bold statement here that he could potentially be our best fullback since we had Penrice. Um, I think. Is just is one of those defenders that just love to defend, and when you see him one on one, you kind of feel comfortable. Like he's he's gonna he's gonna get a good tackle, and he, he doesn't seem to get beaten an awful lot. There's there's definitely a player in there, and I'll be astounded if we have him at the end of the season if we could keep him fit. Only thing is, he's maybe just a wee bit lightweight. Like he does seem to get pushed off the ball. Um, but if he could get that aspect of his game up, I, I mean, I think there's a huge... I mean, if Aaron's saying that there's scouts at the game yesterday, the, the player that they're surely coming away with, looking at their performance going, Doherty is a, a top, top player. And, and it's it's crazy because none of us had him in uh, our top three in terms of performance, but I actually think that's a slight injustice. And I think the reason for that is, is because he's been by far our best player this season. He's the player that we didn't see his performance go up. Like his, like he's just been good. Whereas all the other players that got the points yesterday, maybe minus Fleming, they they elevated their game yesterday. Where Doherty has just been fantastic, Gordon. Yeah, I think he's your, you know, your classic seven out of ten minimum. For me, he's been that since since he's come in. Um, and like you say, I think he's, you know, he looks like that a defender who likes defending. You know, he likes a tackle, he likes a slide tackle, and he he's good at it. Um, and and of course, you know, I think he's what, something like nineteen years old. Um, so I think it is it's impressive for a guy who's coming. You know, the first time he's played at this level and to look so comfortable and to look good and and be so consistent. Um, you know, look, I think. Uh, yeah, I think he's potentially got a you know a pretty good future in the game that will be above League Two. Um, clear, you know, there's bits of his game, you know, in the modern game. If you want to go high as a fullback, you've probably got to add a bit of that more attacking threat to your game. But I think you get the basics right. You'd be a good defender first, um, and he absolutely is. Um, really, really happy with that signing. Very under the radar, you know. I don't think anybody, don't think anyone was getting too excited when we signed him, but. Been very, very impressed with him. Aaron, I mean, I'm probably going to slightly disagree with, with Doug and Gordon there because I kind of feel like from what I've seen of Doherty through the season, uh, throughout the season so far, it does actually give us an option going forward. And without being too brutal, his deliveries were actually better than um, Shavoni's yesterday. He got a couple of good crosses in the box. Uh, yeah, I, I think like. Defensively, is his strength, though, isn't it? Like, you know, he's he's good one on one. The thing that I like the most about him actually is that he's really quick off the mark. You know, so there's a couple of times the winger's knocked it past him, and his recovery speed really good, and he makes a tackle and gets a block in. There's not many crosses that come in from his side either in open play. So no, he's he's definitely the strength of his games. He's he's one on one defender. 
think he was all right going for, but I do I do think that's an area you're being, you know, critical of. I think that's where he maybe does need to go and improve because there is a lot of times he'll get the ball and whilst it's good he keeps possession a lot of times he just goes back to the centre half when he plays in the centre midfield um, you know whereas I think maybe his next step is can he advance up the pitch further and then put a cross in or more crosses in um, from deep if you like but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to compare his crossing this year bonus because fuck me that's uh, <laughs> it's, it's not the best sometimes eh? I, I would imagine. Uh, oh yeah, I just I'll absolutely add that that first half crossing display from Shivoni was unbelievable. It was like, what's actually going on here? It was almost like the second half. Greg had gone, look, you just don't cross the ball, get it, run it. Because second half, I thought it was actually quite good, but yeah. like it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. Definitely, I actually wonder if you'd not seen much of him attacking yesterday and. The same in many ways with Newton is because our centre halves are so slow that you could get so exposed if you don't. We've got we've we've got enough attacking ability up front for me in that midfield and, and striker to not need overlapping fullbacks. There was a couple of times when the ball went over the top and Easton was in a one on one and it was like holy shit! Like mm-hmm. the man is running through treacle. Like he played well. Don't get me wrong, but. Yeah, I think that's a definite thing. They do not want to get a two-on-two scenario with the centre-halves because there would be problems. I think there, I think that's what I was talking about earlier. I think C. McMax, I noticed that um, Colin McManus picked up really good positions. So see, it happened a lot on the left-hand side in the centre-halves. There was times when William Newton went a little bit higher and McManus kind of held his position to sort of like, he didn't go out to left-back, but he sat maybe just slightly in front of left there. Ryan Easton or Johnny Page, whichever one it was. And that stopped the counter because I think if he doesn't position himself there, you're spot on. That whole channel is wide open for him to play one ball. Um, so I thought, I actually thought the position of McManus in particular allowed Newton at times to go a little bit forward and, and go with Jack the time to time. And I think if we could get that right, that's my concern with Trouton, is that He's, he's probably not got that defensive discipline. Even if he does cover that space, somebody will run past him. So, uh, you know, I, I think if we, if you set yourself up right, you could st- you could get around that. I'm going to disagree with you slightly because there was a moment in the <laughs> first half yesterday where Troughton did fill in for Doherty at right back and put in an incredible jack- tackle, challenge tackle hybrid. Um, to yeah, no, speaking with marbles in my mouth, um, an incredible tackle to to cut out a, a clay attack. I think that Trouton does that. I think he's locked out. One, one of the big things for me, Trouton yesterday, is he didn't get booked. Um, he seems to be picking up a lot of cards just now by um, putting in the the cynical fills. But I, like, I don't mind that um, as like a, a one off. But it, it, it does make me think a little bit that it's because he's he's caught out of position or he, he feels like he's needing to make those tackles more often. But I did think that he was he was really good yesterday. So just to, to wrap up um the, the show for this week, I just wanted to finally talk about the national team. Um because I think since we last did the show, we went over to Cyprus, put in a, a resolute performance. We'll not talk about last Tuesday because I really don't want to, but Doug, it's kind of 
and I mean, certainly in my lifetime anyway, the best time to be a Scotland fan? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I think it would be the first, I know we've not qualified yet, but we will. Uh, I think it's the first major championship you go in feeling confident coming out of a group, even if it's not been drawn yet. The England game was definitely a wee kicking the bollocks, rude awakening moment because they were miles better than us. Um, but I thought it didn't matter. I, I, I actually quite like Clark's comment at the end. He was like, this international window was getting three points in Cyprus and we've done that. So it's all good. I think, I actually think England, the fact that our next games are England, Spain and France. Is that right? Or uh, sorry, England past Spain, then France. We may yeah. well, we may well get beaten comfortably in all three of them, which might not be the worst thing in many ways, just to kind of keep us a wee bit on the grounded side because I think people were getting a wee bit carried away. But no, it's it's good. And the Cyprus game was classic, what Scotland have never done in my lifetime, and that's go to a game where you go, oh, if we could just get an early goal, or oh, if we could just keep it tight for you know, and just basically won the game in half an hour. Done. That never happens in Scotland. Even against your San Marinos or Pharaohs, it never seems to happen. It's always like you get one goal and then you score in the 85th minute and then finally get a third. It was just clinical and, yeah, it is it is a nice time to be a Scotland fan. Gordon, have you looked at your lederhosen and looking at the best places to get Bratwurst in Germany next year? Yes, um, I am. I am. Certainly, well, I've not looked at my lederhosen, but um, yeah, I'm certainly considering whether to just go ahead and book, find somewhere in Germany, book it. I mean, we're going to qualify. I mean, I've, I think, to be honest, there's a few people who absolutely shot the bed since that England result. And you're like, look, it's a friendly, and let's be honest, England are one of the top teams in the world right now, and we got beat. Like, fine, it happens. But we've won five games out of five. Um, the you know the the things that need to happen for us not to qualify are insane. Um, we've so many chances to qualify, um, and we're looking good. Um, we're, and I I think we're going to go to Germany. Um, and you see how the draw goes, but you know I know a lot of folk are talking, you know, getting a wee bit overexcited. But we should be looking at last sixteen minimum quarterfinal if we get a nice wee draw I think that's honestly where we are there's a few teams that we will struggle against England are a very good team France are a very good team you know and there's a couple of other teams that are better than us right now but um, I think we look good um, yeah I mean certainly in my lifetime I've, I've never seen Scotland win a qualifying group you know um, I've seen us qualify but never seen us top a group which we might not still do but um, I've never seen us win five games in a row so yeah pretty pretty good time Aaron I think the next point I'd want to bring up is about Elliot Anderson because you've seen him drop out of the squad last weekend the, the national team say that he's injured but then plays for, for Newcastle now it's almost reminiscent uh, Ryan Fraser um, coincidentally also um, having been at, at Newcastle as well. And I'm a big believer in, in certain things. The, the people that play for a country should want to play for a country, should be desperate to pull on a Scotland shot. That's why I'm glad that Ollie McBurney doesn't get a call up. 
Like, and he's probably the sort of player that we could kind of do with. I think he's a better player than Lyndon Dykes personally. But, you know, his comments in the tunnel before that game um, where he basically was rolling his eyes at getting a Scotland call-up, I'm glad he's not in the squad. And for me, I don't want to see Elliot Anderson pull on a Scotland shirt if, if that's been the, the case again. You know, I don't think he'll be good enough to get into an England team. But I think he'll come begging at some point. But what's your your take on that? Ben on. Just Ben on. Um I'm with you. I think there's got to be a passion to play for Scotland. It's hard to measure that, isn't it? But there's got to be a passion. I think look at Scott McTominay, right? So Scott McTominay turns up for every camp. He has done for years, um, regardless of his form at United. There was times he was turned up to camps to go away and play in ridiculous friendlies at centre-half. You know, he's playing out of position. Um, you know, when, when it came to the game away in Serbia, he stepped up and took a penalty after making a mistake where they scored the equaliser. That guy epitomises the passion that you need to play for Scotland without being born in Scotland. And that should be the barometer to which we look at these players. You know, on a side note, you hear about Harvey Barnes suddenly wanting to play for Scotland despite Steve Park admitting to have a conversation with him when he first came in and he got blown back, basically. Fuck him. He, he does not get in the Scotland squad just because we're going to Euros and he wants to fulfil some personal goal of playing at international tournaments. Would Harvey Barnes be really desperate to play for us if he were sitting fourth in our group now? Probably not. So, no, I, I think there's got to be a passion to, to play for Scotland and that doesn't mean you have to be Scottish per se. It doesn't mean that, but um, I think McTominay's the, the positive example, like the role model you look at, I think, um, just briefly going back to the England game, I thought I thought it was interesting because I think Clark, and it was a great lesson, it was a great lesson, but I think Clark tried to go toe-to-toe with England in terms of playing football. And Scotland, he's never done that, you know, like against your so-called bigger sides, you know, he's usually been a bit more compact and hit on the counter. And I think that was maybe a lesson that, Whilst we've made progress and we've made loads of progress and we will qualify and it's great to be a Scotland fan right now, I don't think you'll see him go toe-to-toe with France or Spain in the same manner he did against England. I think he'll be a bit more reserved. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the lessons learned from the England game when we play Spain in particular, um, with it being the qualifier and and France. But see if you look at the Spain starting lineup, by the way. Like, I don't fear them. You know, they've got boys for Real Betis, they've got guys for Sociedad. It's it's not the all-conquering combination of Barcelona, Real Madrid from 10 years ago. It's not that type of team at all. So I I, I don't fear us. I, I could see us getting someone off Spain over there. I, I'm quite confident with that. I would take a draw right now. I know, I would take a draw right now and you're bang on about your assessment of Spain because, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've got some really good players. We know that Rodri's a good player. You know, he's probably one of these best, if not the best in his position in the world. But, I mean, realistically, you know, you've got Pedri, you've got Gavi, you know, you've got um, the other lad that's 16 that's that's coming through um, at Barcelona as well. So, look, we know that they've got talent. But, I mean, we've got a lot of really good players in our team. I mean, this is by far the best Scotland team in lifetime, like I've said already. And I don't really think that we should fear anyone as long as we stick to our game, right? Knowing the way that we play. The, the, the final point on Scotland for me is Ben Doak. Because this guy is clearly a top, top player. A top, top player. You don't get into the Liverpool squad 
um, or make the bench at Liverpool if if you're not a top player. I mean, maybe the days of Florence Cinema Pongal and uh, Anthony Latalak aside, but in, in this current side, you know, the Liverpool fans love him and they're seeing him as the, the sort of heir to Salah's throne, right? You know, there was a lot of comments on, on social media that if Salah goes, they were happy because Doak's waiting in the wings, pun intended, to, to step into that position. And I feel like the difference, if you have a look at the, the Wales team, for example, you know, they're shite now, but... In the past, they had Gareth Bale, who was like a world-class talent. You know, England have had... Obviously, England's team is littered with world-class players. France team littered with world-class players. But we've we've got a team full of good players. But there's talk that Doak can potentially be our Gareth Bale. Have either of or has anybody seen enough of him that they could pass comment? I, th- I think... I, I guess the problem is that nobody has, I would imagine, um, apart from flashes on... YouTube and whatnot. Look, I mean, he's very young. I agree he looks very exciting, but until he's starting to play a bit more of a role for Liverpool or even for Scotland under-21, scoring and assisting more, which I don't think he has been, then we've got to just chill out a wee bit with him. Um, I I think Bale's impact was probably three or four years down the line from where Doka is now. I think the calls for him to go in the, the main squad are completely wrong like completely wrong it's almost like it's a fear that another country is going to come in because it's that you know times have changed in international football and he's he's very much scottish very much looking forward to playing for scotland so i don't think we, we can't rush him and until he's played a bit more he's the sort of guy you, you wonder if a decent loan move would be good for him now just to try and get a decent run of games because he's He's very unlikely to get it for Liverpool. I mean, I don't know how many minutes he's actually played in the Premier League this year, but it's not a lot. Um, so, yeah, he looks exciting, but, you know, well, maybe two or three years down the line. I think that you've probably got a lot of fans with PTSD from Aidan McGeady and um, James McCarthy, where, you know, oh, I've got a, an Irish granny and get it up, you sort of thing. I don't think we've got to worry too much about that now because I think that, you know, aside England, you know, most of the players, if they had an Irish or a Welsh granny, I want to play for, for Scotland. Um, and I think that, again, it's, it's testament to Steve Clark. And um, the final point that I want to make on Steve Clark is how long before somebody tries to steal him? Because you've got to be thinking, like, you look at national team managers, aside to probably Yoshim Lowe, or Didier Deschamps, like a lot of the the big clubs will come for these managers, you know, and say, right, you've done a great job where you are, and we want you to manage us on a permanent basis. If you're Steve Clark, would you leave the national team for that um, and go into club football? Or do you think that um, he'd be better to stay where he is and try and not look at it from a, a selfish point of view? I think he's better stay where he is, like, because I think if you look at the historical side of it, no matter how good the job it is with Scotland, he's not getting a team in the top six in England. It, like, it, it's just not. It'll be a team, maybe an Everton, you know, it, something like an Everton, a team who are probably struggling, only living up to the status that they've got in the game. And it's a struggle. Like, you know, Alex McLeish, I remember him leaving the Scotland job and he went to Birmingham, I think it was, and he, he, he won the Carabao Cup or whatever it was called then, but they got relegated. Um, you know, and he, and he was packed off after that, you know. So, no, I, 
I don't see Steve Clark being offered a really enticing job that would make him think twice about it. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get a bigger job than what he's got now with Scotland. You know, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, in terms of even Celtic and Rangers, you know, if a vacancy came up there, I don't know what his relationship with Rangers is like. I think it's very good. Um, but I think he would have more chance of a Rangers gig than a Celtic gig, just purely in the way Celtic play and Celtic recruit. Um, I think he'd be more aligned with Rangers in that sense. But even then, Rangers are fucking 10 years old. They're in a big club. You know, they want to go to them. So, um, nah, nah, I think he's best for this. That'll be Aaron getting cancelled by any East Fife fans in a Rangers persuasion. Aaron's thoughts are his own. I don't think there's many off the top of my head international managers that have been overly good club managers, especially after leaving international. Walter Smith. You Who? Walter Smith. After leaving international. Yeah, he went to Rangers and took them to the Europa League final. That, yeah, but that's it, but it's one of those two, it doesn't count. Um, yeah, but look at like Chris Coleman left Wales, the, the Messiah, you know, and he went to Sunderland, he was absolutely pissed and has not worked since. I don't think there's many guys that have been international managers that then go on to have a really successful club career. He, he's probably one of these guys that's quite happy, as in, you know, it's it's not day-to-day. And Christ, I mean, everyone loves him, apart from probably Rangers fans. So it, why would you go, really? The thing is, if Clark was 45, 50, he's, it's, it's a matter of, when he's going to go to a club job. But to be honest, I think he's in his early 60s. And for me, I look at it and I'm like, you know, he's, he's done the club job. He's he's managed big teams day to day. For me, I think he'll think, this suits him right now. It's not as involved day to day. You know, he can... And, you know, he obviously enjoys the job. He's doing a great job. Everyone loves him. I think he might just think, look, you know, the last, the last big job in my career is, you know, really building up, seeing what I can do with this Scotland team, getting us to a World Cup, seeing if we can go further than we've ever gone before. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm fooling myself, but I think that's what he might, that's what his view might be on it. Do you not think Steve Clark could walk down leaving High Street with a baseball cap on and you wouldn't notice him? Like, you wouldn't even recognise him? It was like somebody being well at Hurley. Yeah, like, I just, I generally think, I think he'll still be able to go about his pretty normal life. And do what he does without getting thick and mobbed all the time. And the, the pressure's now, especially, off for a while. I, I would be amazed. I mean, I, I don't really have seen him being mentioned when that jobs have come up recently. So, I, I like, like Aaron says, I don't know where he would go. He's, you know, the only job the only job I could think of would be Celtic, but I, I, I can't see it. The thing is, there's, there is, there's actually growth in this Scotland team as well, though. Like, I actually think this Scotland team can go again. Like, we're on a great run around, riding the crest of the wave, but there's actually potential as well. You know, like, some of the players that we've got are hitting their peak years, you know? Like, so, we're also talking about the Euros. You've also got the two years after that with the World Cup, you know, and, and, and we could actually go again and we can grow a bit more. So, I, I think he's maybe looking at that as well. Can we just get a striker? Yeah, I know. Like you know, what I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking for a guy who scores, you know, 
10 goals in qualifying. Just someone who looks like they might score. It's amazing. Like, honestly, the whole Scotland thing's weird now. We're not just mid- coming up front. But our, mid- our midfield's, like, genuinely really good. It's not unbelievable, but it's really good. Our strikers are pretty pish. Like, they are. And our defence, um, they're all right. But they'll, they'll right. get found out against better players, as, the, as you saw on Tuesday. It's just weird. It's a weird thing that's happened. But just any striker. Even like a Kenny Miller type striker. Aye. You know, he'd do well back. He's just signed for your favourite team, Lee. Get him back in the fold, you know? On that note, <laughs> um, I think we'll wrap up this week's episode. Done just over an hour. Good to have you all back, gentlemen. Any final thoughts? Uh, just out. Uh, not even on football, but I just watched a wee bit of rugby today. Don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that. But I saw Fiji beat Fiji beat Australia first time since 1954. That was that was fun to watch. Nice wee underdog story. This is not a peanut chasing egg hugging podcast. You're on a yellow card for mentioning that shit. I'll tell you, I've spent the whole time watching the England Japan game. <laughs> Uh, my, so countless my, yellow cards. You're the Alan Trouton of this podcast. I know. I know. Uh, my my final thought is uh, is I took five hundred pound off the bookies this weekend. I won my football coupon, and then Ryan Fox won the golf today. So it's been a great time. I've sat on Mars and made just as much money as if I worked hard. That's what it's all about. So get it up to you, Mister Ladbrokes. Get it right up you. I thought you were going to get it up us there because we don't want anything. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, I'll happily share. I can chuck a tenner each way. Yeah. yeah. Sterling um, humped my coupon for £580 yesterday, so get it up, you damn young. Um, and... <laughs> I just thought it was nice talking about Scotland without hearing Sunday of a transatlantic persuasion talking about Ryan Gold. We just had an eight-minute conversation about Scotland without anybody mentioning the Vancouver Whitecaps or Ryan Gold. Until you just did it there. Well, I, that was to point that out. I, I think I made a promise at the start of the show that we weren't going to do that, and you've just done me in front of every one of our listeners. So, oh, did you? I did. We were, we were doing so well, and then we mentioned rugby and MLS at the end. Uh, honestly, <laughs> right off. <laughs> Like I say, the, the panellists are, are, are all of their, their own opinions and I can only apologise for the shite that I select week in, week out to, to come onto this show. But all joking aside, um, really good to speak to you, gentlemen. And are we all going to Spartans next week? I'll be Let's Let's hope so. And let's hope it's three points. But until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And more importantly, Monday Fife. Warren of Glasgow presents the Scottish League Cup to the side that lasted the course better. All conquering East Fife. As I made my way to that pitch on Wellesley Road To sing my songs for the boys in black and gold I heard the stories about 1938 I was just a boy and knew I'd have to wait Now there's broken dreams and what might have been At that stadium by the shore But those glory
sunny days and gold migrants home once more.